Hi, thanks for tuning in to Mental Health Musings, a podcast through the CSU Health Network. Every podcast focuses on a different topic pertaining to mental health and well-being. No two episodes are the same. Thanks for tuning in and remember to be kind to yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, This is the Mental Health Musings podcast from the CSU Health Network. I'm Stephanie Z, the host. Uh, Use she, her, her pronouns. You all may remember Adam John Aparizio. Um, He moved to Chicago to do some awesome things. So it's just me flying solo. But I have three awesome guests that will be joining us today for our episode titled Boosting Your Well-Being for Fall Semester. What do students do? So I'm going to have my student staff introduce themselves and you'll get to know who they are. Hi, I'm Brianna Buya. Um, I am a standing senior at Colorado State University. I'm majoring in ethnic studies and I'm minoring in anthropology and women's studies. I am currently a mental health initiative students program assistant um, at the HEP Center. And I'm excited to be here. Oh, and my pronouns are she, her, hers series and they, them. I'm David Keyes. I use he, him pronouns. I'm a grad student in the Counseling Career Development Program, specializing in clinical mental health counseling. I'm also a student assistant for mental health initiatives over at HEPS, and I'm excited to share my thoughts on well-being. I'm Emily. I use she, her, her pronouns, and I'm a senior in the Human Development and Family Studies program with a pre-health concentration. I'm a well-being initiative student program assistant in the HEPS department, and I'm also excited to be here. And for those of you that are tuning in and you're like, what is this HEPS? Um, HEPS stands for Health Education Prevention Services. So it's one of the many offices in the health network. If you haven't come by, uh, take that hike and come see us. And then you can go across the street and get some Music City chicken, you know, make it a a double thing. All right. So um, I'm so glad y'all are here because you represent, I think, such a wide range of who the students are at CSU. And I'd love for you if you could share with the listeners what does well-being mean to you and what does it look like to you? So, for instance, like, how do you know when you're doing good, when you're OK or when you're like, man, things are not great right now? There's a prioritization of one's body, mind and spirit. I think that that can be practiced through mindfulness, rhetoric and values. Um, so expanding that looks like meditation Journaling, I think gratitude journals are good, shadow work. Um, so that looks like holding space for reflection and accountability in your life. Um, and when, I guess, kind of just reflecting on when you would like others and yourself to show up more. And then being conscious and accountable in spaces and setting boundaries. I think that's what that, that kind of looks like for me. Before we go on, Brianna, do you mind expanding for some folks? Because I know... I feel like that's been a common thing now, like boundary work and and setting boundaries. Can you um, share whatever you're comfortable with? Like, what does that look like to you? You know, what would that look like to you? So in terms of relationships, I think when you share intimacy with people, whether that be in professional spaces such as academia and it's, um, I guess, knowledge sharing or um, intellect or you're emotionally and physically intimate with somebody, I think that it's important to stipulate experiences and narratives that are imperative to your character or I guess very important 
in how you show up in those spaces and how you need people to hold space and be conscious of them. Pretty much like not doing something you're not comfortable with or something that would maybe make you feel unsafe. Would that be kind of a good way to capture that? Yeah, for sure. And I also think that it has to do with like being unsafe. Sometimes it shows up in ways where I need you to do this, this and this instead of don't don't engage in this type of behavior. I just think about sometimes when folks are like, do you want to hang out? And I really do because I have bad uh, FOMO, uh, fear of missing out. And then my but my boundary is like, Stephanie, you need to like, care for yourself and so I try to really stick to like no like I'm gonna go rest but really hope that I'll get invited the next time I think that's kind of what I would consider like like setting boundaries Dave and Emily you have anything you want to add yeah when I think about well-being it's it's being in charge of your own emotional regulation kind of thing where you're not being influenced by things on the outside that can force you to be mad or force you to be sad uh, it's having those those things in place to choose which way you're presenting at the time, which I don't think is dissimilar from what Brianna said. I think a lot of that is boundaries and holding space for things. So I think it's a pretty pretty agreeable definition. I think well-being also can sometimes be phrased in media as like self-care specifically. And I think there's a lot broader of definitions that we can look at, kind of like how you're doing as a whole. Um, And I think Brianna did a really good job of touching on all those different aspects that we look at. And I think just some other things to keep in mind, like I know when I'm doing good, quote unquote, in my well-being, like I know I'm making time to actually make meals and sit down and eat them and not like rush throughout my day and like take time out of my day to like sit down and do something that I enjoy or that like nurtures me in some way. So I know that that's just kind of another aspect of well-being that adds into that. But yeah, definitely looking at as a whole um, how you're doing. I love that you said that because I feel sometimes I'm, I think I showered, like high five, like that was a, a win. But it does make sense that that might be when I'm doing good, quote unquote, because I'm remembering to shower and to um, like make lunches instead of skipping that or going to sleep and waking up and going to work in the clothes I slept in uh, or whatever. Right. And I think those are some small things that people can pay attention to, to see if they're not doing well. Um, Cause I don't know about you, but like when I first heard about well-being, I thought it was this like mystical thing of, of like my, you know, I know we joke around it, but like, you know, what does that mean? How do you know you're not doing well? I'm like, well, I'm not sick, so I must be well. But in reality, I'm all like, all sorts of chaos. And so um, that's helpful to hear. So yeah, thanks for you all um, sharing that. And so on the flip side, and you all kind of touched a little bit upon it, but um, what does it like, how do you know when your well-being is taking a hit? So well-rested. Sleep is so important. I remember like growing up, my stepmom and my dad were like, you're dead and you don't sleep. And so like, and it was like, since I was like a little kid, like if I didn't get like a full eight hours, like I was not, I was rude and eating. I like that being intentional about eating and taking our time for it. Like, I don't know. I sometimes like, I catch myself like sitting in front of TV, watching a quick episode and then like heading out and like timing myself for that. But I feel like it's really unhealthy to like have a relationship with food where you're constantly distracted while you're eating. I think it's important to enjoy those things. And then also being resilient and authentic. 
being resilient, I want to be intentional in saying that there's a lot of battle fatigue that comes with that sometimes. Um, but I think that it's a very beautiful thing for us to be able to endure and surpass adversity the way that we have in our lives. It's easier said than done, but it's it's a more optimistic outlook when we are going through bullshit in our lives. And then I would also share that being passionate in my work and restoration, like when I'm not feeling myself, I'm not passionate in what I do and like what things that fuel me, I don't know, and bring out like authentic Brianna. So wanted to stress that. And then on the flip side, so burnout, what I'm experiencing right now, because <laughs> um, we're in week five, which I can't believe that we're moving that fast. Irritability. I feel like, I I don't know, sometimes I'll go throughout my day and I'm like, why did that annoy me? <laughs> like, I think, but it's good to be conscious and catch yourself in those moments, but it's so unnecessary. And then um, scattered organization. I think that's mine. And getting ahead of ourselves in terms of our scheduling is bound to happen. But I think that there are tools that and skills that we have that we can utilize in order to minimize that impact. And then like catch up, which I find myself doing a lot sometimes, just leaving things until the last minute and then having like the long to-do list. I mean, I would agree. I'm definitely a very irritable person when my well-being is not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very forgetful too. Like, mm. I forget to do things or forget where I put things. Mm. And I find it difficult to sleep or get to sleep. Once I get to sleep, I'll be fine. But sometimes when things are rough, I won't. I'll try to go to bed at ten and won't get to sleep till two. That sort of thing. And why is that? That's a great question. Uh, you know, <laughs> could be racing thoughts, or it could be distracted by something, or maybe I forgot something or messed something up because I was so distracted, and now I'm ruminating on it. And, I'll try some of the techniques of getting out of bed and going to do something and then coming back. And eventually, once I'm able to regulate generally, I can get the sleep under control. And luckily, I just purchased a new mattress, so hopefully that happens. <laughs> yeah, that's real. For me, yeah, same thing. Staying up too late. I've heard it called like revenge procrastination. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I know for me, especially I'm an introvert. So if I don't get enough time during the day to decompress and just like be able to get away from whatever's happening during the day. I take that time at night and instead of sleeping, I'm just decompressing because it has to happen, you know, while I'm awake. They're like, just sleep and decompress. It doesn't work like that. So if I'm not taking that time of being intentional to decompress, you know, after what's happened during that day or after those past few days, it definitely becomes like a very vicious cycle of revenge procrastination at night. And, um, I definitely feel it in my body, like my health problems, like my joints hurt more if I'm like my well being's not doing good and I'm overly stressed. So I know that those are very clear indicators for me if I'm not taking care of that. That's so real, that revenge procrastination. I'm the opposite because I'm an extrovert, so I don't need it to compress from being in the day. I think for me, it's, I want to be selfish with my time and I want to do what I want when I want it without having to report to anyone or having to do it for someone. So that's playing Candy Crush. Um, and instead of going to bed, yeah, I will play Candy Crush until like one in the morning because I can do it. And it's my time to do whatever. And so I, I, I did read something about that too. And I was like, oh, I feel so validated. And I should still sleep some more because when I don't get enough sleep or my well-being is off, I am forgetful. I double book. That's how I know like I'm messing up. I'm not irritable, but I'm very much always on the verge of tears. And so I feel very weepy. And if something could be the, it could be like my order is not right. And I'd be like, oh my God, you know, like something could set me off. 
I use food a lot to like nourish and to, I think, cope. And so I'll notice like not paying attention to my eating patterns. Um, I don't think I ate anything green until yesterday. And so for me, that was like, I wanted to do that. And, um, and I also, I recognize I was like, well, I'm just, I'm not doing very well. So it was helpful to go to bed at a decent time, eat some greenery, spinach, not like grass or anything, but like eat some, eat some stuff that's green and then like work out, which was helpful to like purge some of that feeling. But before we talk about tools and stuff, I would love to know, because I'm just curious, when did you like realize this concept of well-being or self-care? Like when did you realize like, oh, I have to do this for myself so I can be, you know, functional? We didn't know the language of it. So I guess when was that like a an awareness? For, when did that awareness happen? For me, a lot of it came from being in the military where they would tell you, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And it all felt like silly things that they're just doing to make you, them feel like they're in charge. And in hindsight, those were actually self-care things, well-being things of, you know, hygiene and sleeping the appropriate amount and eating healthy foods and all these other things. But then, of course, I rebelled against that right after I got out of the military, as it does. <laughs> And then I slowly started doing it again. As you're trying to get into this professional space, you realize, yes, I do need to eat healthy. I can't have, you know, Oreo O's for breakfast every morning sort of thing. Well, they're so good. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I think realizing it as well-being didn't really happen until the last few years. Like, it was adulting is mm -hmm. what I concepted it as and understanding it as a, a combination of things to create a well-being and my own well-being really wasn't something I discovered until much later. I think that I always practice like self-care and prioritizing my well-being, but I didn't necessarily have consciousness that it was that until college. I hate calling it being selfish because I don't think that's that selfish or always prioritize yourself because you're the only person that shows up for yourself at the end of the day. I think that's what should always come first. And I like calling it just being in love with yourself. And you can always love yourself a little more. Like... Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's ever a limit on that. I don't think there's a limit on how much you can love other people. I would say that I've always done that, but I think that it just continues to get more abundant as life continues. And obviously I have my down days where I'm not doing that. Not to say that everything is constantly restorative, but I'm conscious of it when it is happening. I didn't understand that idea. I really even start practicing self-care very much until college because just growing up, I was just so busy in so many things and I just didn't, I was never taught to like take the time to take care of myself or take time out of my day to engage in stuff that was kind of like downtime. Um, so I don't think I ever really had like a good concept of what that was other than seeing on the media doing lavish self-care days type of a thing. So like I didn't really think that was super attainable. But then coming into college, it seemed like I'd see posters about, oh, like learn how to do self-care, you know, take five minutes to journal or something like that. And I was like, oh, that makes more sense. And then actually coming into this job, I got the title of well-being assistant. I was like, I don't even know what well-being is, but here I am doing that as a job. So this year actually has been a really huge learning curve in learning what well-being is, how I can deploy that, and help other people learn how to deploy that. So I'd say that's a pretty recent development there. So what I'm hearing you all say is it's okay if you didn't know this when you were like younger and you're just figuring out now. Because I feel like college is right that 
time where everyone's learning different things and you're having a lot of external influences and exposing yourself to new experiences. So if you don't have a well-being or self-care plan, it's okay, but now's your opportunity to get one. Um, so as we are wrapping up, i uh, love for you is a little plug for our health network, um, our office, but what tools would you recommend from, because you mentioned tools you all use. So what tools from our office do you recommend to students to check out? Maybe your top one or two, if you can't have just one. I'll have to say, I co-lead a mindfulness group. So if you're kind of interested in what mindfulness is at all, it's specifically for stress reduction. And it's just four weeks. It's an hour and a half every week. And we meet and we talk about different ways that we can explore with mindfulness, how to reduce stress. And I think that that can be really valuable. Um, And we hold that three times a semester. So I really encourage you guys to hop on and join that because um, we've heard from a lot of students that it is extremely helpful. And I know that I've utilized definitely some of the skills that I've learned there. I know I showed up for one of Vivian and and Emily's mindfulness groups over Zoom. Just taking time out of the day to just do like 10 minutes of meditating. Like it's, oh, you would not believe how much that can like shift your day. And especially when you set intention with it, I think that can be really cool. And I feel like some people are under the impression that some mindfulness practices or like grounding, you need to have some type of like prior knowledge as if like it was a skill that or like sort of like a gift like it wasn't something that you had to practice and learn how to do meditating is about like being with your thoughts and letting them pass and acknowledging them and being still and only prioritizing yourself and your being and having a calm surrounding in order to do that so I thought that I think that's really cool when we have programs that are just helping you do that it's cool to have already organized time that you don't have to organize to just be a part of that experience to relax. I think that's a really beautiful thing for like people to provide that type of like peaceful space for you, regardless of if it's just a presentation or if it's like it's active where you're doing it while learning about it, um, which I'm a hands-on learner, so I like that better. But regardless, like I, I think that's a very beautiful thing to share knowledge like that. For me, I'd have to say it's some of the more... The short-term, practical, implementable stings, stuff you get out of maybe like a stress-less presentation or some of the things that are on the website where it's only maybe like a 30-second thing that you're doing, but it, spacing those out throughout the day can really help regulate and keep you in a good place. And then you can do some of the more committed things like a longer meditation or a long med- mindfulness exercise later. I think some of the organizational methods that we use to describe self-care or coping skills are really helpful because it puts things in a more understandable way. One of the big challenges with self-care is people think, like Emily mentioned, oh, it's the big lavish spending or like a bubble bath or something like that, when it's really a lot of other things like those behavioral things of scheduling and the cognitive things of your attitude towards the things that are going on. And being able to see that is very helpful. What are some examples of the small things that you talked about that you would do? The 30-second thing. What's a 30-second tool you could do? I mean, one of the great ones is the belly breathing, that you can mm. do a couple of quick deep belly breaths to take yourself back to that parasympathetic nervous system and cool off a little bit if you're mm-hmm. starting to get elevated. Or the pushing against the wall is always a fun one just yeah. because it looks so weird when you're doing it in public. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Do you know also like the five senses? Like, what, what can I smell? What can I hear? What can yeah. I yeah. What can I see? Like, it, it brings you back to the present moment. I find myself dissociating quite often. So it's important to do that. Yeah. It really is. And I don't even, and it, that should be normalized. I don't want to shame people for it, but it's, no. it, you know, it's quite the experience. So bring it back, you know, and you can do things like that. And I also think like gratitude, like I keep going back to like sitting down for a meal. Like that seems so minuscule because we need fuel, like food to fuel our bodies. But like, it's important to appreciate those things because that's showing your body love. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely sometimes don't eat for like, three meals a day and that's not showing my body love and that's not feeling my spirit either because then I'm a little drained the rest of the day that impacts so many other aspects it's being conscious of acknowledging like that was really kind of myself to do things that maybe some people it it comes easier to others Mm -hmm. but not to excuse that you definitely have other disciplines that those individuals definitely are struggling with that I think it's duality I can't tell you how many times a deep belly breath has really helped me from like walking out of the office or flipping a table over. Um, I often do it when I'm by myself, which tends to be in the bathroom, which I realize like that's probably not the best place to do a deep belly breath in the bathroom, but it's just where I'm at. It's I'm by myself and, you know, it's typically fine. Um, But it's just such a quick like trip to the bathroom, doing that and then coming back. I'm just like, okay, now I can handle like the emails or the scheduling or whatever it is we need to do. And yeah, the like self-respect for yourself of like eating a meal or um, like sitting down. I can't tell you how many times I've eaten a meal in the car on the way to work or back because I just don't have time. Um, And just sitting and eating and like shooing my cat away is just such a, such a gift. So I appreciate that time. All right. So as we wrap up, I would love for you all to offer um, just maybe a tip or something you wish you knew. Actually, no, I don't like when people say, I wish I knew this because obviously you didn't know it. Now, you know, so maybe a tip you would offer to students incoming or current. You're like, hey, don't underestimate or whatever, you know, like do this um, that they could practice, begin practicing their uh, boosting their well-being. Not to steal from Brianna's normal narrative of uh, self-compassion, but I think that's the big one is being able to forgive yourself for making mistakes, being compassionate, showing yourself love. Those things will make a big difference in just how you live your life, let alone school. Communicating your needs. I think that's a big one. And then also getting out of your comfort zone. I think that's really important. I think all of these things are easier said than done. It's a practice. It's a habit that you have to keep doing until it's something that just becomes mindless which is super cool when it like just becomes a part of who you are i think that's super important like i like getting out of my comfort zone i get excited from that but i know that can it causes people fear you know <laughs> and that's okay um but i don't know i think even if you end up not liking something you never have to do it again as long as it's not causing yourself harm or others i think you should go out and do it it's super cool. You never know the type of people that you come across, the type of relationships that you gain or skills, the type of path, like change that you go through. I think there's a lot of things that come from not doing regular scheduling. Yeah, I'd say um, 
trying to find things that really boost your passion too. I know there were opportunities here like with courses or clubs and I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to do that. That seems like nerve wracking. Like Brianna was talking about like stepping outside your comfort zone, but it ended up being really rewarding after I did that. So I just say really finding things that boost your passion because sometimes you can have classes that you're required to take for your um, major. And maybe you're like, I'm just really not into this right now, but find something that's going to keep you excited to keep going, keep learning, keep exploring, because it may not be a specific class that you're in right now, but find something that's going to keep you like wanting to learn more because that's going to really keep you going on your path here. It seems a lot of trial by error too, right? Like trying things and if they don't work out, then it's okay because there's a ton of other things they can do. So um, thank you all so much. I mean, yes, I know you work for our office, but you also are students and I appreciate your honest candor of what works for you, what doesn't, how you've discovered your well-being. I really appreciate and I know the listeners will really value. I mean, I'm staff, so it's like, OK, we're supposed to say that, but U.S. students appreciate that. Um, so thank you so much for listening to us in our description uh, of the podcast. You'll find a link to our evaluation. Would appreciate your feedback, what you thought of this uh, topic, what other topics you might like to hear from us. And we will talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mental Health Musings podcast. You can find this episode and others on KCSU's website, the CSU Health Network's website, and Spotify. All links will be in the podcast description. Lastly, there is an evaluation survey that I encourage you to fill out. It's how we get better and to know what future topics to talk about. Those details are also in the description. Thanks again, everyone. And remember to be kind to yourself.